0: Did you ever know that the God that we serve can take a mistake and turn it into a miracle for His honor and glory? No matter what we've done in the past, God can still take a mistake and turn it into a miracle. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I invite you to join me on Day of Destiny, I believe God has something so spectacular for you today. And God is going to launch your ministry, your purpose, your destiny to the next level. But first, before we go to today's teaching, I want to invite you to our website, to mydayofdestiny.com. There on the website, you can participate in sowing your seed to this ministry But also, we have an array of teachings from various podcasts that you can listen to on a daily basis. We also have featured my newest book, Secrets of the Anointing. You will learn all about 42 years of experience walking in the anointing. But most of all, I want to share with you my experiences on the mission field including smuggling Bibles into China in my earlier years of ministry and so many other wonderful uh, experiences that I feel will be able to help you along the road to your destiny. Now, beloved, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ruth. And today we are going to see how God can turn a mistake into a miracle. Let's begin today's teaching with the reading of God's word found in Ruth chapter one, verse one. The Bible says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, both he, his wife, and his two sons. Now, beloved saints, I don't want you to be bored stiff with ancient Hebrew history. Those of us who don't understand the personal, powerful, prophetic relevance of God's word could think that this is some Boring piece of Hebrew history that has no personal, powerful, prophetic relevance whatsoever in our lives in 2021. But I want you to understand that the Bible is not filled with dead history. I want you to know that every page of the Bible is alive and it has spiritual significance. It is the roadmap to life. So when we see in a literal sense of scripture, first I will give you the historical background to set the scene, which also participates in the understanding of the personal powerful prophetic message that the text is giving to us. First of all, this was in the days when the judges ruled. I want you to understand the author of the book of Judges is the prophet Samuel. And the prophet Samuel wrote the book of Judges with the prophetic agenda to prove the legitimacy of of the Davidic dynasty. Now you may say what in the world does the book of Ruth possibly have to do with the legitimacy of the Davidic dynasty. If we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 23 looking at verse 2, the Bible says no and verse 3 particularly, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the congregation of Israel even to the 10th generation. Even forever, you see, the Moabite people were banished from ever becoming Hebrews. In other words, not even through being proselytized or uh, accepting the God of Israel, renouncing the idols of Chemosh and the various other idols that the Moabites worship, they could never enter the congregation of Israel. So, therefore, The prophet Samuel is going to litigate on behalf of Ruth. He is going to establish an argument that is without question that Ruth completely fulfills everything in the word of God. She is the perfect specimen of a Gentile that has been converted to the God of Israel. And we are going to see how she fulfills the Torah even more than the Hebrew scholars at the time who fulfilled the Torah, that she is a type and a shadow of the Gentile church. And because the book of Ruth was written at the time of Pentecost, it was written uh, during what we call the 49 days of destiny that we are in right now on the biblical calendar. And it ends in the time of Pentecost. As a matter of fact, Boaz marries Ruth during the feast of Pentecost. So it is very important that we understand the spiritual significance of the time frame. First of all, the Bible is going to show us in the days when the judges ruled. This indicates to us that Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, was a judge. He was a judge from Bethlehem, Judah. And the first aspect of judgment, judgment in the sight of God, is to execute judgment for the poor, for the fatherless, for the widow, for the stranger, for the orphan. Executing judgment does not just mean that God is going to indict anyone. Judgment has to do with pleading for those who have no voice. And so the Bible says in the days when the judges ruled. Now we understand and know not only from historic sources, but also from the scripture that Elimelech was a man of means and a man of wealth. How do we know this? First of all, in Judges, excuse me, in Ruth chapter two, verse one, the Bible says, now Naomi had a kinsman by the name of Boaz, who was a mighty man of wealth from the family of Elimelech. Now we understand because he is the family of Elimelech that Elimelech, whose name is let kingship come to me, represents the wealth that was in the family of not only Elimelech, but also Boaz. And we need to also understand, dear people of God, that there was a famine in the land. And rather than choosing to do what the scriptures teach us to do during a time of famine, that God has given wealth not to hoard unto oneself, but God has given wealth so that we might be end-time wealth distributors, The Bible teaches that we're blessed to become a blessing to others. But Elimelech did not do this. Elimelech hightailed it to Moab. Moab represents the world. And immediately upon entrance in Moab, the Bible tells us, and Elimelech, if we look at the scripture in verse three, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was bereft of her two sons. Now what we need to see, dear people of God, We are going to see that Elimelech, the Bible is going to tell us, had two sons. Let's look at the names of these sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, verse 2, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of her two sons, Malon and Kilion. Now, in English, when we hear these words, Malon and Kilion, we just think these are just really nice Hebrew names. No big deal. But you see, the prophet Samuel did have a prophetic agenda, and that agenda was to show the legitimacy of Ruth, to show us that there is a clashing contrast between the love that Ruth is going to be walking in and the legalism of Elimelech. We are going to see that Elimelech escapes the fulfillment of the law by hightailing it to Moab during the famine hoarding his wealth, refusing to share any of his wealth in the time of the famine with any paupers or persons in need in the land of Bethlehem. And we are going to see this accentuated in the names that the prophet Samuel calls his sons, because his sons also think like their father. The name of the first son is Malon. The name of the second son is Kilion. Now, in in English, this doesn't mean anything significant. But in Hebrew, there is spiritual significance that shows us the shocking reality of these names, that the prophet Samuel definitely gave them names. We don't know what their real names are, because who would name their son Malan? Malan means sickness, ailing, disease, and the name Kilion. Kilion in Hebrew is a name that means extinction. Would you name your child extinction? Would you say... Oh, my dear little extinction, come here for dinner. Or, Oh, my sweet little Malon, my sweet little disease, come over here. What Hebrew mother would possibly name her children Malon and Kilion? You and I must understand that the prophet Samuel named these children, these young men Malon and Kilion, because they are walking in the same deadly types of decisions that their father is making. And that is the syndrome of selfishness. You see, the syndrome of selfishness will keep us stuck in the maze of Moab. We will be there. We will go around in circles producing no profit. And what will actually happen is that making a decision such as Elimelech made not to share his wealth. Not to say God gave me this wealth, God gave me this abundance so that during this famine I can help my fellow man, so that during this famine I can feed these individuals, my brothers, I'm a judge in in Israel, I must take the responsibility to help these people. You see, beloved saints, in the scriptures, one of the prerequisites for the platform of leadership is to take responsibility for another human being. We see this very clearly established in the line of Judah. Judah was chosen for kingship. Why? Because we do not see Reuben taking responsibility. One set, not one single ounce of responsibility does Reuben take for Joseph. He actually leaves the pit when his brothers throw him into the pit, goes away for a few hours, and when he returns, Joseph is gone. So this disqualified Reuben from the destiny that should have been his when the Bible tells us, Reuben, you are my firstborn. You are the excellency of my strength and my power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. And then we see the kingship should have went to Simeon or to Levi. But we see that Simeon has assumed no responsibility at all for another human being throughout the scripture. Neither do we have Simeon recorded in any books of the Bible. The tribe of Simeon has not been noted for any form of leadership. The only thing the tribe of Simeon is mentioned for in the Bible is for the sin of leading Israel into the sin under Baal, Baal, Baalim and the false prophet to cause the women of Israel, the men of Israel, to sin with the Moabitish women. We don't see Levi in the very beginning until the end at the time of Moses. But in the book of Genesis, we have no at all, we have no reference of Levi ever taking responsibility for another person. And so we see Moses taking the responsibility for a slave And this is the whole reason why Moses was elected and selected to lead Israel out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. So we see this criteria that is extremely important for calling, taking the responsibility for another human being. But we do find this in Judah. Judah takes full responsibility for Benjamin and actually is willing to become the slave in his place. He is willing to bear the blame before his father forever so that Benjamin can go free. And this qualified the tribe of Judah to be elected and selected for the kingship. Now, understanding that biblical background, When we look at the book of Ruth and we see Elimelech, we see Elimelech hightailing it out. We see him not following in the footsteps of those from the land of Judah taking responsibility for another human being. We see that he is absolutely avoiding responsibility. He does not want to share his wealth with anyone. And his sons, Malon and Kilion, are following in the same footsteps of their father. They are not stepping up. As a matter of fact, malon meaning sickness and disease and kilion meaning extinction actually define why they are disqualified from destiny. And the Bible says, if we continue in the context, the scripture says, and Elimelech, Naomi's wife died and she was left of her two, uh, she was, she was left and uh, her two sons. And the Bible says, and her two sons took woman of Moab, women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Now, Orpah's name is also very strange. And it is written this way by the prophet Samuel. He is going to give her a prophetic name also. I want you to see the bluntness of the prophet Samuel. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to tell us that Malon's name means disease and sickness. He's going to tell us that Killian's name means extinction of a destiny. And now we're going to see Orpah. What is Orpah's name? Orpah's name means back of the neck. Why would someone name their child back of the neck? Because that's exactly what she's going to do. She's going to turn her back to Naomi. She's going to turn her back to the affliction of Naomi. She is not going to go after Naomi. But yet we are going to see Ruth. And we see in the name Ruth, the words Rueh in Hebrew, which means to see. We are going to see that Ruth is someone who sees, someone who comprehends, yet she's a Moabitess. And as a matter of fact, she has several strikes against her. Because if you see in comparison to this person who should be the spiritual specimen of leadership, Eli Melik should have led. He should have been as a judge in Israel, leading. The people in the ways of God, leading people toward Hesed, le- leading people toward loving their neighbor as their self, taking responsibility in a time of famine, sharing his wealth as Abraham shared his wealth, and as Abraham took responsibility for others, uh, we would have seen that definitely this should have been applied to Elimelech, but instead we see Ruth we see Ruth who has several spiritual strikes against her. Number one, she's a Moabitess, someone who should have been disqualified from destiny from the very beginning. We're going to see that the Bible teaches us that all Moabites were under a curse, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 2 and 3. But then we go on to see that not only is she uh, under a curse, But we are going to see how the curse goes into reverse. She is a type and shadow of the New Testament church. She is a type and shadow of the fulfillment of the Torah, not being by the letter, but by being by love. That love is written on our hearts through the love and the kindness of being born again through Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, beloved saints, as we continue in the context, now the Bible says, verse five, and Malon, and Kilion also died, both of them, and the woman was bereft of her two sons and her husband. Now Naomi has lost everything. She's not only lost her wealth, she's not only lost her children, she's not only lost her husband, but she's also lost her reputation. She's lost everything in life by her husband's deadly decision. This was a huge mistake, and some of us sometimes are paying an awful price For someone's deadly decision, someone who has made a decision without prayer, or at times we who make deadly decisions wonder, God, can we ever fix this problem? There are some of us listening to this podcast right now that say, I wish I would have, but I want you to know you don't have to stay stuck in I wish I would have, because the God that you serve is a God who changes our mistakes into miracles. And here we see, beloved saints, that the Bible is teaching us. As we continue in the context of verse six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how God had visited his people in giving them bread. Notice the Bible is going out of its way to tell us twice she's still stuck in the maze of Moab. She is still in the country of Moab, the country of Moab representing uh, staying stuck, the country of Moab, representing uh, secular, representing a place of escape, synthetic coping crutches that never lead us to true remedies of relief. You see, a remedy that brings us relief is found in the word of God. And oftentimes, those selfish syndromes that are within us where we try to fix ourselves are our really beloved saints remedies that never bring relief this is exactly what Elimelech wanted to do he wanted to fix himself us for and no more he wanted to hightail it to Moab save his wealth not give it to anyone because in his selfish mindset he would think that giving his wealth in a time of famine would be actually diminishing his wealth but actually in reality the bible teaches us that if we give it shall be given unto us and no greater love has this than a man to lay down his life for his friends and so here we see now the prophet samuel is laying the case he is litigating the play, the, the the argument here in the scripture that ruth is definitely qualified she is are not only going to receive the title, as we say in Hebrew, of ima ha Hamalkut. She is going to be the mother of royalty. She's going to be the mother of the Davidic dynasty. And how is this going to happen when there is a curse over the Moabites? We're going to see every type of curse was over the Moabites, but we are going to see the curse goes into the reverse. And how does the curse go into reverse? Watch and see the scriptures. Naomi has made a decision. She's going to go home to Bethlehem. She's going to go face the quote unquote church folks who are going to judge her. She's going to face the I told you so's. She's going to go home to face. See, her husband made that decision to go to Moab. And it is because her sons married Moabitish wives that she is in this predicament. No, Naomi is going to face reality she is going to choose walking toward God no matter what and we see the first supernatural step of return of changing a mistake into a miracle is that one decision can change a destiny forever. you see one decision toward the move of God can change your life forever. one decision can change your destiny it can release a destiny and that's exactly what happened to Naomi. For the Bible says, for she heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. I want to focus on the word visitation. She walked toward the visitation of God. God wants you to know that when you make a decision toward walking toward the, di- the, the visitation of God, you can turn your mistake into a miracle because that's exactly what Naomi did. You see, the Bible is the blueprint for blessing. The Bible is showing us how to get out of the maze of Moab. The Bible here is showing us how to stop all of the bondage. And here we see, dear people of God, she, at her older age, has made a decision that she's going to walk it alone. She's willing to go through days of loneliness, walking through the wilderness between Moab and Israel. She's willing to go back and reclaim the property of her husband and face the people, knowing that her husband's deadly decision was to till it uh, in the time of famine, not to share any of their wealth with anyone. And she's going to come home completely broke. She's going to come home without a penny to her name, without her husbands, and without her children. And, beloved saints, we are going to see that Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, she's going to tell them to turn. She's going to tell them to go back to their parents, to go back to their father's house, and to return to their gods. And she says it twice. And we see it again in verse 12, turn again, my daughters, and go your way. But we see, as she is telling them to turn and go their way, verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. What does this mean? Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. I want you to see something that's spiritually significant that can change a destiny forever. I want you to see how powerful the Bible is. I want you to see that the words that are spoken to us in this word of God can change your future. They can change the course of your destiny. If you apply these words in the Bible, you can be set on a course that will open every door, change your mistake into a miracle, and know that God is going to turn it around for his honor and glory. I want you to see what's happening here. The scripture in verse 14 and in verse 15 is going to show us two two types of love. We're going to see the type of love that's purely superficial. Then we're going to see the type of love that's purely sacrificial. The scripture is showing us these two types of love to evaluate within us what type of love do we operate in? Do we operate in the kind of love? that's purely superficial, are we only in the relationships where love is expected that are going to benefit us something? Do we get something out of it? How often as a pastor have we heard, have I heard, I've fallen out of love with my spouse. Excuse me, you've fallen out of love with your spouse? What in the world is that? Didn't we understand that The Bible teaches us that love is a commitment. And we are going to see the very language of love that is used in the scriptures. We find in the book of Genesis, defining the type of love that a husband has for a wife. What does that mean? She clave to her. This means that the love that we should have for one another should be one of covenant. It should be one the same way that we have covenant between a husband and a wife. We should also be in covenantal love relationships between one another, not with inordinate affection, but with that love that is willing to lay one's self-life, one's life down unto the death. You see, love that is superficial is love that is disposable. Uh, You serve me for when I need you, I needed you to make my name famous. I needed you for a relationship. I needed you because I was lonely. I'm not lonely anymore. I needed you to open doors for me. I don't need doors open anymore. I needed you to give me a ride. I needed you to uh, put a good word in for me, for the boss. Now that I got the raise, I don't need you anymore. Is this the kind of love that we have in the body of Christ? Do we have the kind of love in the body of Christ? Well, your reputation got tainted so I think I'm going to quote unquote disconnect myself from this relationship you see dear people of God whether we realize it or not we're also going to be judged on our friendships we're going to be judged on what type of friend we were to our brother or our sister were we there for them or did we just use them for every ounce of whatever we could get out of them till we squeezed the last drop of life out of them? And then when they no longer serve our purpose, we drop them like a hot potato. I'm sorry to say, beloved saints, but I've seen this in the church. And this is despicable behavior in the sight of God. God wants us to be sincere. He wants us to worship him with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. God wants us to be a Ruth. You see, Ruth had no hidden agenda. I want you to understand something. Orpah, back of the neck, represents love that is superficial. But Ruth prophetically parallels the type of love that covers all sin. The kind of love that covers all iniquity. The kind of love that covers, what is that? That means that even if I don't have it right legally in my interpretation of the law at this time, if I'm loving, love is going to cover it. See, I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that love is the fulfillment of the Torah. We see this in Romans chapter 13. Uh, Paul goes over this over and over again with the church, that love is the fulfillment of of the Torah, so that if we are walking in love, we're not going to do ill to our neighbor. We are going to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are going to lay our life down in love for one another. And we should also see, beloved saints, continuing in the context, what is going to happen here. Ruth is going to make a commitment to Naomi and get zero out of it. She is going to make a commitment to Naomi completely based on pure love. The Bible says that they lifted up their voice and they wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, returned after following your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee, for where you go, there I will go, and where you lodge, there I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, there I will be buried. If the Lord do so, if not aught, but death, part thee and me. Beloved saints, this kind of love reaps a reward. You see, Ruth took the responsibility for Naomi, and as a result of taking the responsibility for Naomi, God exalted her. Taking the responsibility for another human being, beloved saints, is the criteria for the calling of God Many are called, but few are chosen. Ruth passed the test. And as a result, God rewarded Ruth because you see, one of the supernatural secrets we see in the book of Ruth is the rewards of kindness. The kindness, the hesed, the love that she showed to Naomi is really a blueprint for our lives to show us. Have you been in the maze of Moab? Have you been through loss? Have you been discouraged? Are you in a place where you feel distanced from your destiny? Do you feel isolated and separated from others? Are you trying to get ahead and every time you start to make a step forward, you take 10 backwards Here's the secret. You can do what Ruth did. Begin to start loving others, not with superficial love, but with sacrificial love. Do what Ruth did. Make a commitment. Begin to take responsibility for another human being, not just our children, not just our uh, us four and no more. Maybe there's an elderly person down the street that can't get to the grocery store. Can you take responsibility to buy their groceries? Or maybe there's a single mother that can't afford to put shoes on her son or her daughter. Can you just take the responsibility for even a few months to say, you know what? I'll be an auntie. I'll be an uncle. They don't need to know. Just provide the clothes, provide the shoes. This is going to bring you more breakthrough in your life than if you went to 3,000 success seminars. Cut the corners. Get there quickly. Why wander in the wilderness another 40 years? Just get to the point. God can ex- ex- just absolutely launch you into a dimension of destiny you've never been in before in your life once you begin to start exercising on a daily basis kindness toward other people. You see? Boaz brought it out in his message to Ruth. The Bible says it has, sh- it has truly been shown to us that all that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in the land of your nativity to come to a people who did you who you did not know her- heretofore. What does that mean? That means that. God is going to recompense your work. Everybody here in Bethlehem knows that you are a virtuous woman. They saw the kindness. Now watch what Boaz says to Ruth. He says, the Lord recompense your work and a full reward be given to you from the God of Israel under whose wings you have been called to trust. And last but not least, We see that the night that Boaz agrees to marry Ruth, we see that this is what he says to her. The Bible tells us, verse 10, and he said, blessed be you, my daughter, for you have showed more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning. Inasmuch as you have not followed young men, whether rich or poor, what he is saying is your kindness just keeps increasing. And this is why Boaz married Ruth, Ruth, who became a double portion inheritor, Ruth, who inherited after loss, she inherited what we call the Boaz blessing. She inherited her land. She inherited the land. She raised up the name of her deceased husband, Malon. She became the mother of the Davidic dynasty. And you see, the prophet Samuel has accomplished his case. Now, beloved saints, today I want to invite you, put these words into practice. Do what the Bible teaches us to do. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Show kindness, love, forgive, and the Bible teaches us, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I am Dr. Michelle Corral, and I thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny Podcast.